This is KXSF 102.5 FM, streaming worldwide at www.kxsf.fm. And you're tuned in to Spark with Kelly Marlowe. Informing minds, inspiring ideas, igniting innovation. Let the conversation sink into your soul. This is Kelly Marlowe, host of Spark. Today I'm talking with Matthew Swift. He is the CEO of Concordia, a nonprofit organization that promotes public-private partnerships between business, government, and nonprofit organizations to address the world's most pressing problems. We will be talking about social impact through Concordia's model of cross-sector collaboration. Thank you for joining me today on Spark, Matthew. Thank you so much for having me. It's a real pleasure. What is Concordia? And why was it created? Concordia is a nonprofit membership organization that is globally focused on some of the most pressing issues of our time, and specifically around how partnerships and cross-sector collaborations can address those complex issues. So as a membership community, we come together through our different summits all around the world uh, to talk about both regional and global issues and to look at how public-private partnerships um, and collaboration more broadly can be uh, used as an approach to dealing with this, these uh, issues. And who is involved? Well, it's quite a diverse uh, community overall. Um, I started Concordia with my best friend, Nick Logothetis, and we had met in high school um, and started a business in high school together which uh, we developed over time and and eventually became um, an entrepreneurial studies program for the high school that we attended. It actually still exists to this day. Um, And then we both went to university in Washington, D.C. and did a series of internships uh, together at various companies, uh, but especially in media. And it was with that experience um, that upon graduation from university, we formed and created uh, Concordia. And the, it started with an annual summit that takes place in September, always parallel to the United Nations General Assembly. And the first summit was uh, about 100 people, and it brought together a set of leaders from across the public and private sectors, including former U.S. President George W. Bush. And we talked about the role of the private sector in combating extremism. We... Um, expanded over the years, uh, both through the lens of nonpartisanship. We've hosted people like then-Vice President Joe Biden and former U.S. President Bill Clinton, in addition to to, uh, many others on the other side of the aisle. Um, But our summits and our convenings really grew over the last 10 years. And that annual meeting that we hold in September uh, is now a little more than 3,000 people from across sectors, um, and very much uh, regionally diverse with, an, with a special focus on Africa, Latin America, and Europe. That's quite an accomplishment coming out of college. You did say well, you started right after college, right? We did. So we actually formulated a lot of the original plans for it um, uh, when uh, we were just finishing university. And... Um, It was really a combination of a couple things. One is we both had a similar vision for what we wanted to create. 
Um, the idea of developing an inclusive forum that brings together people from across sectors and from all walks of life, um, uh, we wanted to, to convene that group of people uh, together around these different issues. What we found in our studies and in our experiences was that the world is so siloed between the public and private sectors uh, that there needed to be a forum and a collaboration to bring people together where there was no bias towards one sector. And so it was in that formation of it um, that we put, an, put the idea on paper. We went and pitched it to everybody we really had ever met at that point. And most people said it was a bad idea, that we shouldn't do it. Um, and all of a sudden, what we realized was that in a lot of cases when starting a new organization is you just have to start doing it. And so we declared, uh, I believe it was around April or May 2011, we said in September we're going to hold a summit. We don't know how to hold a summit. We don't know how to invite speakers. We don't know how to recruit participants. We don't know how to who you talk to about building a stage or putting lights up or um, any of those things that all go into holding a summit. Uh, but we, we just declared a date and we set a goal for ourselves. And so that has very much been within the DNA of Concordia from the beginning. Uh, we're a young, small, dynamic team uh, coming from a wide array of backgrounds. And we all come together around the shared objective and mission of bringing people together to advance positive change on uh, some very, very complex issues that we have now seen time and time again cannot be done by either the private sector or the public sector alone. And the current membership is around 3,000, of which the are both public actually, and private members? So there's, there's three ways, really, for um, individuals or institutions to engage in Concordia um, as members of our community. So there's, there's membership, which either companies or individuals can join. There's sponsorship, which is where companies can not only sponsor and support the events, but also... Uh, work with Concordia to develop certain themes and topics we're discussing. And then lastly is programming partnership. And this is where we collaborate with NGOs and think tanks and universities and governments from all around the world to develop the content that we talk about. So that really is the, the backbone of Concordia's community. Um, and all of it is more broadly run by our leadership council, which is a body of a little over 40 individuals uh, including, I believe it's now 17 or 18 former heads of state uh, from all around the world, CEOs of global companies, um, and other change makers and, and people who have done some remarkable things and have remarkable experiences. And so that body really leads a lot of what Concordia um, is, is, has done over the last 10 years. Okay, so backing up to your personal story, it's pretty amazing that you held a summit without any experience with George Bush being the keynote speaker, correct? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you just figured it out with your team, mm-hmm. and that's when it took off. Well, back then we didn't. Back then we didn't have much of a team. It was uh, myself and Nick, um, and we had uh, a few folks who agreed to be our interns for the summer as we put all of this together. But it was um, a very, very small team in the beginning. So now it's evolved. You have this huge membership. Our community is a, it's a bit different than that. So uh, we have over 100 corporate members or patron members, mm-hmm. as we call them. And then each of those patron members can allocate 
membership status to different members of our team or of their team, excuse me. And then we also have individual members. We have sponsor companies. We have partner institutions. But yes, every September we convene a little north of about 3,000 people uh, to discuss these issues. So every fall you have a summit and everyone convenes to talk about the various issues that are of interest to them. Yes, and it, and it always takes place parallel to the United Nations General Assembly. Um, and that is a time when over 180 current heads of state descend upon New York each year um, and come together to talk about a wide array of topics, whether it be, of course, things like pandemics or the refugee crisis or climate issues. Um, and so our summit is now the largest convening alongside the, the U.N. General Assembly. And do you weave it into their events or themes, it sounds like? Yes, we don't. We don't. Um, we are a separate entity. We're a we're a independent, nonpartisan, uh, nonprofit organization. Um, we do partner with various agencies within the United Nations, um, and we work closely with the UN on different issues that they cover. I will I will tell you that the Sustainable Development Goals have inspired a lot of the programming that we've done, um, but we we don't uh, formally co-convene with the UN as it relates to the General Assembly. Our meeting is simply parallel to theirs. What are the key areas of focus? So the annual meeting is very much a global affairs summit and, of course, under the broader theme of how collaboration and partnerships can address issues. And within that, we cover a number of topics, Um, some issues that have really stood out over the last 10 years that we've talked about. Um, sustainability, of course, uh, really uh, diving into this shift uh, of the private sector, both in the United States and around the world, in recognition of their role in society um, around how to develop more sustainable practices, um, uh, whether it's directly related to the environment or other areas. And so that has been a critical issue for us over the years. Food security um, has also been a major issue. Human trafficking uh, has been a major issue of discussion. We've also talked about current events. We host a series of conversations with heads of government, um, with CEOs of large corporations, but also change makers. And one of the things that was particularly noteworthy last September was we also took the time to interview, for instance, students and younger people from all around the world to talk about how they felt about the world. So were they optimistic or pessimistic about the future. Um, And when I go back to that opening plenary conversation that we held, um, and this was a group of students from NYU's Abu Dhabi campus, um, there's a lot that they talked about and said that that resonate during times like these. Yes, and they will be the next generation of leaders. So having that dialogue now makes a huge difference. How How do you achieve impact? Well, one for one, we achieve it um, with a very, very clear sense of what it takes to get to impact, uh, which is uh, far more complex than even I imagined when we started Concordia. So it's important to know that Concordia, first and foremost, is a convener. That is where we have the most experience. That is what we're most known for. And that is where we have a track record that uh, we're all very, very proud of over the last 10 years. Our ability to host summits, not just in New York, but around the world. We hosted summits in Athens, Madrid, uh, Bogota, um, Miami, and other cities. 
with these summits, we've developed a platform that gives opportunity, especially to those who we feel strongly should be afforded that opportunity to participate in these high-level gatherings and summits, talk about the issues that they address, um, and to raise awareness on the on the work that they're doing. So that 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 advocacy element is a really important element for Concordia's legacy. But we also have an entire team dedicated to partnership development, and their uh, mandate is to work within the broader Concordia community to form partnerships and collaborations around these various issues. And so as it relates to sustainable food supply chain or innovative finance, um, or now what we're uh, launching shortly, of course, something on the around the pandemic, um, these are all partnering initiatives where it's not just about talking about the issues, but it's actually working with Concordia to formulate the partnerships. Um, and I would be exaggerating to say that, um, you know, it's an easy job to do because collaboration and partnerships are not easy. And, and we've learned a great deal about what works and what does not work within that space. Um, but by being a genuinely nonpartisan um, and, and, and unbiased uh, convening platform uh, has really helped our ability to bring unlikely partners together. Where has your model made the biggest difference or social impact? I think that one can't look at Concordia and not see the New York summit, the annual summit that we hold in September, as where we've made the biggest difference. And I think that is because while the UN is hosting different heads of state to talk about what they're focused on and what's happening in their country and their vision of the world, which is so important, what we're doing is we're matching those heads of state with leaders from the private sector, with NGOs who otherwise might not be in front of these governments, um, with change makers and influencers who need a platform to get their message out. And so I think that, that the annual summit in New York um, is really something that we're extraordinarily proud of, but where we see a great deal of social impact. I think second to that, I would say our work with our America's Initiative it has been very, very important. It started with a with a meeting we held in Miami five years ago, and it put Concordia at the forefront of talking about the humanitarian crisis in Venezuela. And at the time, I didn't fully appreciate what that would mean, but it was a re- very critical moment where we elevated people who otherwise were not being listened to and not being heard um, about what was happening in Venezuela, which, of course, now, especially over the last year, we're seeing a lot of the consequences of of what has been um, happening there for a number of years. So the discussions at the summit got the momentum going around the issue. Very much so. And I think that's something we are very proud of, because while there are institutions that do incredibly important work. There are think tanks, there are universities, there are um, foundations and and, uh, charities that are doing very, very important work. Concordia is a convener of all of those groups, and Concordia's platform gets those institutions and those people in front of and uh, on to the attention of governments and 
corporations, especially global corporations. And that convening capacity is, is very much a key part of, of our legacy for the last 10 years. Concordia is not about the world as I see it or about the world as a couple people see it. It is very much the world as a collective body sees it. And this, um, this group includes representatives of 90 countries. It is a diverse as a group that focuses on a diverse range of issues of, of political background, of socioeconomic background, uh, race, religion, gender, all of that is, is, is very much what you see when you look at the broader Concordia community. And that bringing those people together and giving a platform to the voiceless are all key parts of the social impact that Concordia has on a day-to-day basis. Do you... S- decide what the key issues are? Well, I certainly always have lots of thoughts on the key issues, of course. Who doesn't, right? Um, But we actually develop the different subjects that we cover at Concordia through the programming partnership uh, model that I talked about earlier. Um, We, What we determined a couple years ago was that that we at Concordia should not choose alone and develop the content based on how we saw the issue, but instead to capitalize on the fact that there are some phenomenal institutions and organizations out there that are doing very, very important work and bring a clear expertise to um, to various issues. And so what we did is, is we started reaching out to think tanks, universities, nonprofits, foundations. Um, we, we don't offer this status to corporations, actually. It's, it's only offered to nonprofits or governments, and we partner with them on different subjects and issues. We co-curate and develop the program together and recruit the speakers together, and everything that we do is in partnership and co-branded with them. So when you come to the summit, it really is a a convening of institutions from all around the world doing very important work and developing some very um, important uh, themes. Interesting. How do you see its role or your role in the current pandemic? I think that the so many elements of the response to this global pandemic have continued to reiterate Concordia's mission and why we exist. And the partnership model that has been demonstrated by governments everywhere is key. The, the, it's, it's very, very clear that without the private sector, there really is no strong response to this pandemic. There is only so much that the public sector can do. And also, there's only so much that the private sector can do. But in working more closely together, there is a lot more that is possible. And so what we have seen is that this time represents a real validation of why Concordia exists and why we do what we do. And as a part of that, we see our work more important now than we ever have. And it's not an easy time for organizations like Concordia because we're in the business of bringing people together in person. So we have moved very quickly to adjust how we are focusing on these issues and to use technology as a way to not just continue to connect people, but to raise awareness on different subjects and, frankly, to do it at a much uh, more visible level than we've done it in the past. So um, we see 
the rest of 2020 and the time that we're living in currently as a critical moment for Concordia and for organizations similar to ours, where we're advocating for a model that we know works better than those working in silos and elevating people that we feel very much should be heard from as we navigate these next days, weeks, and months. I think the pandemic has definitely raised the need or highlighted the need for this cross-sector collaboration between the nonprofits, the for-profit, and the public sector, right? I mean, the it's like it's so fragmented and it seems like everyone is trying to come up with their own solution where a collaborative uh, initiative on all fronts together would be much more powerful than everyone you know, coming up with some kind of solution on its own, which is kind of mm-hmm. it's kind of strange, right? You have all these different vaccine trials going on at the same time, being funded by different people, for example. Mm-hmm. And it seems that the public sector is not completely sure what to do because it's fragmented. You have the private sector that's not quite sure whether it's supposed to be stepping up. So it's an interesting time mm-hmm. where if there was a way that they could cross-collaborate, it would be a very powerful mm-hmm model to solve this current pandemic? Oh, I think what you're seeing, especially in the private sector, is remarkable. I mean, you see companies that are normally in fierce competition with one another, sharing data, sharing information. Um, You see institutions um, reaching out to one another, comparing notes, uh, seeing who can can get to this place and get to a solution fast enough. Um, And that's that's nothing short of remarkable to see, and it's a, it's, it's a real blessing to see. I think that we have focused a great deal of our attention on what has not worked, and that's understandable because this is incredibly difficult and incredibly complicated when, when dealing with this. Um, but I think that we do need to take some time to recognize what kind of things are working, and I think that the fact that different institutions are Partnering, collaborating, working very closely together is is a remarkable show of unity that, that might not necessarily get on the front lines or excuse me, the front pages right now. But I think when we get when we see the other side of this, I think we're going to look back at a series of stories about collaboration and partnership together that is how we got out of this. Uh, we've recently launched a Concordia Live series of digital conversations um, with various members of the Concordia community. And the first one that we hosted was featuring a partnership between MasterCard and the Gates Foundation. And what I loved about the conversation is it was very practical um, in that we literally started the discussion with, okay, who called who first? How did you form this? And they said, well, Bill Gates called Ajay Banga at MasterCard, and they started talking, and, and, and the story went on and on. That story is going to, after we get through this, that story is going, we will realize how common that story is, that different institutions are reaching out to each other with a shared objective of helping people navigate this. Um, And while it certainly has been challenging and there certainly have been their flaws in the response, I think when we get on the other side of we're going to look back and see how much unexpected collaboration took place. What are the top three issues today besides the pandemic that you feel needs to be addressed? Well, you raise a 
important point. Um, I think that it's so important that we not forget certain issues and subjects that come up um, even during this pandemic. And it is very easy to be consumed by everything that's happening with the pandemic. Um, and I think that what is there are a number of issues that we see that are critically important that we can't lose sight of. So for me, I think, and, and this is in no particular order, I think a great deal about sustainability. We need to focus on and continue to build on a model for companies to follow. I thought what the Business Roundtable did last summer in shifting their focus to the communities that are corporations was a very important step. And I think what this pandemic, and I've, I've seen this written about quite a bit and talked about quite a bit, um, is a bit of a reminder of the environment and about how if we don't take care of our environment, um, and, I, and I mean that quite broadly, I mean, that, that covers a lot of different areas, um, uh, but that at the end of the day, we need to focus on sustainability because that, and, and what the private sector does within that space is going to lead even in certain cases, more than what governments do. I think in terms of other issues, inclusivity continues to be a core theme of Concordia. The ability, and we're very proud of this, ability to bring people who normally do not, are not afforded the opportunity to come to things like Concordia Summits. And the digital platform is going to expand our ability to be more inclusive than we've ever been before. Uh, we're even talking to universities around the world and schools and various programs and institutions around partnerships that give their entire community, and in certain cases, um, hundreds of thousands of people, access to what will be our digital summit in September. And so that is very, very important on our side, I think, um, as, we, as we plan out. Um, and then I think we also are very focused on the tools of innovation, so when I think about that, I think about things like digital currency. Um, how do we continue to work closely with multilaterals to embrace digital currency, um, whether it's combating corruption or giving economic opportunity to communities that have not had it? We see a further embrace of digital currency as key to that, at the forefront of what we talk about in, in September. But of course, there's a lot of issues um, that we have to pay attention to um, that are in many ways, part of the problem that we've come to with this pandemic. And I think that not losing sight of those issues is very important. And so the agenda that we will be releasing this summer, that we will be covering um, with our 10th Concordia Annual Summit in September, will be um, covering a great deal of those issues at a time when, when we, can't, we can't take our attention off of them. Um, and so a number of those issues will... Um, I think we will not only be talking about them with, with sitting leaders and, and, and elected officials and, um, and CEOs of companies, but, but we're also going to make a very strong concerted effort to talk about those issues with younger people and future leaders. And so I think that you will see within our programming going forward a very big focus on, on younger people um, and, and this generational um, element to what we're seeing take place around the world. And I think that's a really good idea because I think this generation is going to be very different as they're seeing the possibilities that 
or aren't being seen currently by the current generation. So I think they have a lot to bring to the table. Absolutely. What are the lessons that you like to share as a social impact entrepreneur to the graduating class of 2020? How would you advise them on purpose, impact, and success? Well, I think that there are a lot of lessons and there are a lot of important opportunities that exist today uh, for people to really step up when it comes to leadership. I think that um, there, for, for the class of 2020, um, I think that this is a time to be innovative. This is a time to not only talk about what needs to change, but take action to change those things. Um, I gave a commencement two years ago, and when I was thinking through what my advice would be then, which very much is still relevant, I think, today, as simple as it sounds, there's so much to just showing up. Um, and and what I see as a major driver of a lot of problems, not just in the United States, but globally, frankly, is that things start with who shows up. And there is a serious lack of participation globally um, in our issues, and whether that's around elections and participating and voting, if you're uh, depending on where you live in the world, or the actions that you take around uh, institutional engagement and, and um, your um, the parts of your life that are dedicated to helping others. And I think that showing up, uh, while very simple uh, in its message, uh, cannot be understated because nothing matters until you do show up. And so what I'd like to and what I hope for um, today is that what we're seeing take place in the world uh, globally, truly all around the world, um, is a great need for more participation in developing the kind of societies we all want to live in. And how has your experience evolved over time and the mistakes that have had the most profound impact on you that you would share? I think the entrepreneurial journey, which, you know, we're still on with Concordia, has presented a great deal of um, opportunities and success, but it has also brought a great deal of, of challenges and, yes, even failures. And, and I, whomever was the first to say they learned a great deal more from their failures and their successes was, uh, could not have been more accurate because you do learn in those moments when something does not work out the way that you wanted it to or you intended it to. And one major lesson for me over the last 10 years with Concordia is that if you take every day running into problems, you will be far better off than if you avoid those problems. And it's the most, and I get asked this question all the time, which is, you know, what are some of the harder parts of starting an organization? And I think the thing that a lot of people don't tell you is just how hard it is to keep the momentum going um, because everything takes 10 times longer than you anticipated to. A lot of things cost 10 times more than you expected to. And the momentum that you keep is really the way that you succeed or fail. And so in that process over the last 10 years, we've had to keep that momentum going in order to do the work, the important work that we're doing today. 
And within those experiences over the last 10 years, what I will tell you is any time that I ignored an issue or I put off a problem or I said at the end of the day, well, there's another day for that, I regretted it. Because oftentimes when you let those things slide, they turn into bigger issues. And so I really followed day-to-day the mantra of running into problems. Because anybody who's running an organization is always dealing with a lot of problems. Um, But the ability to deal with them and address them head-on not only results in a more successful organization, but frankly, helps you to sleep better at night. So is that how you sustain momentum over time? I think so, because I think that when you're the when you're when you're the one running the day to day of an organization, I think that if you put off issues and problems that arise, your momentum actually decreases. You your ability to keep moving um, decreases uh, at the speed that you want to, and and we all go through various. Um, ups and downs in terms of, of that rhythm of activity and, and uh, progress. But it is the times when I am not putting off an email I don't want to send or not having a conversation that I know might not be great but need to have. Um, when I'm putting those things off, um, I'm not nearly uh, as capable, uh, as strong, and have the momentum that uh, I need to have than, than when I'm really addressing them head on. Is it tough to stay motivated after 10 years? No, because I think that the first ingredient to staying motivated is to work with really good people. Um, And I sent a note to the team today uh, about the events of the last few days. And, you know, I always try to end those, whenever I have to send those types of notes, obviously these days everything seems quite unprecedented, but over the years when, when I've had to send those notes to the team, I always end it thinking about the fact that I am really lucky because I get to wake up every morning and I am really excited to work with the people that I work with. And that is an amazing feeling. So if you surround yourself with good people, um, you always have very strong momentum. And, uh, and I can tell you, even during the last 12 weeks, which have been some of the most challenging professionally that I've ever encountered, um, We've also come together as a team. We've made some very, very difficult decisions with not a lot of time to be able to make those decisions. And we collectively are really excited about the possibilities of what the future is going to hold. So you're feeling the challenges at the same time, the excitement of what's possible. Yes. Um, And I think that... um, while everything has changed for us overnight, as it has for so many people, um, if you keep pushing forward and you keep that momentum up, um, you will navigate this, and I will bet you will come out of this stronger than when you went into it. Is it all living, breathing Concordia, or do you have anything else that you're passionate about? Well, Concordia is touches on so many different issues and subjects and, and themes um, that it affords you the ability to talk about such a wide array of issues each day. And so 
my passions are very much driven through Concordia. The, you know, I, I will say I'm a keen observer and follower of U.S. politics. I love politics. Um, I'm also very interested in specific subjects that we cover. Um, but uh, Concordia really uh, is where all of my interests and passions lie. Is that where you laugh to? Does it bring out your lighter side there as well? Yes, I think if you talk to anybody on the Concordia team, we're we're a very familial group. Take the time to do fun things socially together, even if it has to be on Zoom, which of course is never, I mean, let's be honest, it's not the same, um, but at least it is us coming together. So, um, no, I think, I think we all have such a great professional respect for one another um, that even through the frustrating or challenging times, um, we are, we're still able to laugh about it. Thank you for joining me on Spark today. Thank you so much.